You want to know God's will? It's to be saved, to be saturated with the Word, to be sanctified, to be submissive to authority, to be grateful, and if He should choose to suffer in trusting yourself to Him. Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. What are the signs of personal obedience a person will display when doing the will of God? When you pray, your will be done, do you mean it? Are you willing to follow His will as revealed in His Word, even if it could mean hardship and conflict? Hi, I'm Bill Wright, and today Tom is continuing his current series with part six of Lord Teach Us to Pray. We're looking at Matthew chapter six as Christ teaches his disciples the priority and importance of knowing how to pray and what to pray for. Deciding what to do with your life can seem like a daunting and confusing task. But according to the Bible, God has made his will for your life very clear. And in today's message, Tom will unpack six practical and specific things God has planned for your life. Will you receive His direction? Let's join our teacher now, here on The Word Unleashed. Jesus was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, this is a call to be His disciple, to become His follower, become a Christian, if you will. He must deny himself... That word deny means to repudiate, to disown. It means to repudiate all your own rights to self-rule, and instead you have to die and be willing to die. Notice, he must take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus here is calling for an utter rejection of our own will and our own way and a total commitment to obey and follow Christ, even if it means physical death, which, of course, is what the cross ultimately pictures. But notice the denial of our own will is not something that happens once. Notice what he says in verse 23. You must take up your cross, what? Daily. Daily. We have to remind ourselves that in Christ Our will for our own life has died, and we have to follow Him, whatever it brings. To be able to pray, your will be done, means that we must pray for a deliberate rejection of every will but God's. But there's a second reality that we're praying for when we pray this prayer. Not only are we praying for a deliberate rejection of every other will, but we are praying for an unconditional acceptance of God's sovereign will. An unconditional acceptance of God's sovereign will. Now, when Scripture speaks of God's will, and there are a couple of different words that are used, but when it speaks of God's will, it is primarily referring to one of two biblical concepts. First of all, there is God's revealed will. God's revealed will, that is what is in this book. That's God's revealed will. Theologians call it God's will of precept or His will of command. It refers to God's will as it is laid out in the Bible, in God's commands and laws. 
Now understand, this is very important, God's will of precept or command can be disobeyed, and frankly, usually is. This is His will. This is what you ought to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. But it can be disregarded and disobeyed, even though it is His will. Now we'll talk more about this first aspect of God's will in just a few minutes. But let me give you the second concept that Scripture refers to when it speaks of God's will. Not only God's revealed will, but secondly, God's sovereign will. Theologians call this God's will of decree. What He has decreed will actually happen. This is God's eternal, unchangeable, immutable plan. God's sovereign will cannot be disobeyed, it cannot be disregarded, it cannot be thwarted by any of his creatures in any way. This is the will of God that Paul refers to in the passage we read this morning in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. God works all things after the counsel of his will. God works all things after the counsel of his will. In defining this eternal decree of God, the Westminster Shorter Catechism puts it this way, the decrees of God are His eternal purpose according to the counsel of His will, whereby for His own glory He has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. He has foreordained whatever comes to pass. Wayne Grudem, in his systematic theology, defines the eternal decree of God this way. It is the eternal plans of God, whereby, before the creation of the world, God determined to bring about everything that happens. Before the foundation of the world, God determined to bring about everything that happens. Now, both of those works go on to describe the fact that that doesn't mean that you don't really make decisions and choices. You do. But God works in and through those decisions and choices. Nor does it mean God doesn't use secondary causes. He does. He doesn't violate either of those, but He weaves all of that together in a miracle of His providence so that in the end, what He decided in eternity past would happen is exactly what happens in every detail. The sovereign will of God Notice what those definitions have in common. God decides. God decides before the foundation of the world. And God decides everything that will happen. That's God's sovereign will. Now here's the problem. You can't know God's sovereign will until it happens. By the way, this is what frustrates so many Christians. They spin their wheels trying to discern God's sovereign will. Who does God sovereignly want me to marry? Well, you can't discern God's sovereign will. You are called to make a wise biblical choice, and only when that is done can you look back and say, that was God's sovereign will. Now, understand that God's sovereign will, His eternal plan, will be done and is being done on earth as it is in heaven. So why would we pray anything about God's sovereign will? We're praying that we will unconditionally accept that sovereign will, that we will embrace God's sovereign will instead of complaining about it 
In fact, you have in Acts 21, verse 14, when the, when the disciples learn that, that Paul is going to go ahead with his plan to go to Jerusalem, in, fact, in spite of the fact that he may be arrested and even face death, they say what? The will of the Lord be done. They are embracing God's sovereign will. What's the alternative to embracing God's sovereign will for your life? It's going to happen. So it's not like you can thwart it. So what's the opposite of embracing it? It's whining, complaining, disputing with God about what he brings. That's why in Philippians chapter 2, I wish we had time to turn there, but Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, right after he said, live your life working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's God who works in you to accomplish his, his purposes, he says, do all things without grumbling, that is against God, and disputing with God. That's the other way you can respond to God's sovereign will in your life. You look at the circumstances he brings, you can either embrace it and accept it, or you can whine and complain and tell God how unfairly you have been treated. But we are called to accept God's will. It's the spirit of John Newton, the one who wrote Amazing Grace, when as his wife lay dying, wrote these words in his journal, What thou wilt, when thou wilt, how thou wilt. To pray your will be done means that you are accepting God's sovereign will without qualification, without argumentation, and without complaining and disputing. It means to pray this, God, I wholeheartedly accept what you have brought into my life and whatever you choose to bring into my life. It's obviously a prayer that God's will be done everywhere in the universe, but it's really more personal than that. It's a prayer that really encompasses our individual lives. We pray that God's will would be done in the big decisions of our lives. God, may your will be done in where I decide to go to school and in who I choose to marry and in the city where I live, in the church I attend, in the career I choose, in the job I accept. Lord, may your sovereign will be accomplished. Give me wisdom to make wise choices, but in the end, may your sovereign will be played out in my life. May I accept it and embrace it. It's also accepting God's will in our individual circumstances. Praying, Lord, your will be done means, God, your will be done whether it brings outward success for me or failure. Your will be done whether it brings riches or poverty. Your will be done whether it means health or a life of sickness. Your will be done whether it means marriage or singleness. Your will be done whether it means joy or sorrow, whether it means ease and comfort or troubles and trials, whether it means life or death. Let your will be done. But it also means let your will be done in the individual issues and circumstances of daily life. And this is harder, isn't it? It means saying, God, I accept without arguing or whining whatever circumstances you providentially bring into my life today. Whatever interruptions, whatever distractions, whatever trials, whatever problems, whatever people, I want your sovereign will to be done in my life today. Let me ask you, is that how you think? Is that how you pray? 
It's tough. So how do we come to the place in our own lives where we can, from our hearts, completely, unconditionally accept and embrace God's sovereign will? It comes from trusting God and who He is. That kind of trust grows out of a true knowledge of the character of God. That's why the psalmist says, those who know your name, that is, those who understand your character, Psalm 9:10, will put their trust in you. The reason you might struggle accepting God's sovereign will for you and the circumstances he brings is because you don't really know who God is. You don't know that he's perfectly powerful. There's nothing he can't do in your life. There's no circumstance he can't change by willing it to be so. That he's good. That he's only doing what's good for you. And that he is all wise. That not only are the ends he has in mind the best ends, but the means he chooses to get you there are the best means. If you don't understand that about God, you're not going to trust him. Habakkuk, the Old Testament prophet, struggled with this. It's interesting because he had a very rare opportunity. He got to know what God's sovereign will was before it happened. Because God said, here's what's going to happen. You and your people and your nation and your city are all going to be destroyed by the Babylonians. How would you like to know that's God's sovereign will for your life before it happens? He struggled with that. Look back at Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 1. He says, God, are you really going to do this? Habakkuk 1.13, your eyes are too pure to approve evil and you cannot look on wickedness with favor... Why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? God, you can't do this. But ultimately, he comes back to faith. How does he get to faith? It's not because the circumstances change. It's because he reminds himself of who God is. Look at the last chapter, Habakkuk 3. He said in chapter 2, the just shall live by faith, that is, Their understanding of God and who He is and His promises. Verse 17, the end of verse 16, He says, I'm I'm just waiting for what you've said to happen to happen. People are going to arise who will invade us. And then here's what He says, verse 17, Though the fig tree should not blossom, and though there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no fruit... Though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stall. Stop there. You know what he's saying? Remember, this is an agrarian, agricultural society in which he lives. He has just said, God, if the world I live in essentially ceases to exist, if my life is turned completely on its head, as it's going to be, verse 18, yet I will exult in Yahweh. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. Where did Habakkuk find confidence to accept God's sovereign will as hard as it was? In God. In his confidence in who God is. That's where we find it as well. Listen, are you willing to pray your will be done? If so, it means that you must deny every other will, and it means you must unconditionally accept God's sovereign will for each day and for your entire life. And oh, by the way, this isn't just a prayer for us. It's a prayer for the people that we know and love as well. God, let your will be done in their lives as well. And help me to embrace it without grumbling and without complaint.
There's a third result that we're asking God to produce when we pray your will be done. It means that we're also praying for willing obedience to God's revealed will. Willing obedience to God's revealed will. Remember I said to you that when Scripture speaks of the will of God, it's referring either to His sovereign will, which we've just talked about, or His revealed will, His will of precept, or His will of command. What's in this book that you hold in your hand? That's His will of precept, His will of command, His revealed will. Now, which of those, His sovereign will or His revealed will, did Jesus have primarily in mind when He taught us to pray in Matthew 6.10, Your will be done? Well, I think we get a clue from the phrase He adds. Look again at Matthew 6, verse 10. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, I think, as I've just explained to you, that accepting God's sovereign will, embracing God's sovereign will, is part of this petition. But His sovereign will is already done on earth as it is in heaven. But God's will of command, His preceptive will, His revealed will that's recorded for us in His Word, is only perfectly obeyed where? In heaven. In fact, turn to Psalm 103. Psalm 103, a favorite psalm for many of us, but he ends this way. Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens, and His sovereignty rules over all. There's His, his sovereign will. But then you run in verse 20 and 21 into his will of command, his, his will of precept, his revealed will. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, that is all the heavenly hosts, you who serve him doing his will. Remember, there were some angels who didn't obey God's will of command. We now call them the demons because they rebelled against God and left heaven. But here in heaven, at this point in time, God's will is completely and perfectly obeyed. But we can't say that here on earth, can we? I mean, God said, have no other gods before me. And yet, our planet is filled with billions of people who have other gods before him. He said, worship me only in the way I prescribed, and yet the planet is filled with people who worship him in ways other than he prescribed. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and yet the planet is packed with a population of people who refuse to love him. So the primary meaning of this third petition is that God's commands... His revealed will contained within the covers of this book that it would be obeyed by all mankind here on earth in the same way that it's obeyed by the angels and the saints in heaven. This, by the way, was Jesus' concern while he was on the earth. In John 6, 38, he says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. His whole life was obeying the word of God. God has expressed His will for us right here in His Word. You don't have to go looking for it. You don't have to pray for God's will. It's right here. So you say, how do we, how do we put our arms around that? 
What is God's will for us? Well, God's will for you is everything that's within the covers of this book. But let me tell you six things the Bible specifically says are God's will for you. In those terms, here's God's will for you. First of all, God's will for you is to be saved. 1 Timothy 2.3, this is good and and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is his will of command to you. Repent and believe the gospel. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. It's his will of command that all mankind respond to the gospel. Secondly, his will for you is to be word-saturated. Word-saturated. In Ephesians 5.17, he says, Understand what the will of the Lord is and be filled by the Spirit with the Word, according to Colossians in the parallel passage. Let the Spirit fill you with the Word of God. He wants you to be word-saturated. Thirdly, he wants you to be sanctified. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And specifically here, that you abstain from sexual immorality and that you possess your body in sanctification and honor. Number four, it's God's will for you to submit to human authority. 1 Peter 2.13, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, that is every structured human authority that God has put in place, for such is the will of God. Fifthly, it's God's will for you to express gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, And everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Sixthly, if he should so choose, it's his will that you suffer for the sake of Christ. 1 Peter 4.19, Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. There's God's will for you. You want to know God's will? It's to be saved, to be saturated with the word, to be sanctified, to be submissive to authority, to be grateful, and if he should choose to suffer entrusting yourself to him. Wanting God's will to be done and praying that it will be done is praying that those things will become a reality in your life and in every life you pray for. When you pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You are asking God to affect and produce in you and in others these three great spiritual results. A deliberate rejection of all other wills and unconditional acceptance of God's sovereign will and a willing obedience to God's revealed will. You know, the most profound illustration of what it means to pray this third petition comes from the lips of our Lord in Gethsemane. In Luke twenty-two forty-two, he prays, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. That is the cup of enduring your wrath, of being separated from you. Yet... Not my will, but yours be done. Let's pray together.
That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with part six of Lord Teach Us to Pray. Join us next time for part seven, won't you, as Tom once again takes us to God's Word. And Tom, surrendering our will for God's will can be a difficult but rewarding and worthy call. Isn't that true? You know, Bill, in one sense, it is hard. I mean, clearly, we are denying ourselves and embracing the will of our Lord. On the other hand, I love the way John the Apostle puts it, and that is the commands our Lord has have given to us, for us who are in Christ, they're not burdensome. I love that word. They're not a burden. They're not a chore. Instead, we realize that God has given us those commands because he knows how life is to be lived. He knows what a fulfilling, satisfying life of love for him and love for others looks like. And so he's laid out those commands to shape and frame our lives in a way that will be for our good and for his glory. Thanks, Tom. And friend, it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. We'd love to hear from you. And if you haven't reached out before, or if you're a first-time listener, we'd like to send you Tom's book, Jesus' High View of Scripture, free of charge. Just subscribe to The Word Unleashed on our website, and we'll mail you a free copy of Tom's book. And don't forget to connect with us on social, at The Word Unleashed. The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do so by visiting thewordunleashed.org. That's thewordunleashed.org. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed, exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth.